I want to go to Isaiah 43. And uh, I want to key, part of this is going to fit in with Thursday night's Bible study. And this wrinkled piece of paper will come in handy just a little bit later, and I'm going to put it in my pocket. Isaiah 43, I want to read the first three verses. These are very familiar to many people uh, because of its wording and the strength that you get from Scripture. God has the answer, but sometimes you got to dig. You know, the Scripture said, resist the devil and he will flee. Sometimes you've got to resist. The enemy will try to fill your mind with things, but you've got to put up a fight. You've got to resist. I remember sharing with people who wanted to quit smoking. I said, well, you've got to stop buying. <laughs> got to resist. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to go to the smoke shop and <laughs> say, give me a carton, but, but if you really want to quit, you're going to have to resist the devil, and he will flee. So there comes a time in my life that I've got to resist. I've got to fight back as the enemy is trying to bombard my mind or take me to a dark place, okay? So, so there is this spiritual battle. Running a transitional house for 20 years, reaching people out of jail, I would deal with men, and, and they'd relapse, and I'd be sitting in that transitional house about 2 o'clock when the bar closes. I didn't go to the bar to get them, but I'd wait back at the house <laughs> for them to get back to the house. And I, I remember sharing with one guy in particular. He was in his 50s. And I said, I thought you were a fighter. I thought you were a scrapper. He looks at me. I said, you don't seem to be putting up any resistance. <laughs> I mean, you're just kind of going to the bar. You need to put up a fight. You, you need to resist against that. You need to call me. You need to call somebody. You need to do something to get some help, some support in this time of need. And we had men they could call. And, and we had a church of almost two-thirds recovering drug addicts and alcoholics. So we had teams of people you could call at 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and, 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 and talk to. And they, they would work you through these different crises that would come up in these individuals' life. And so, again, you got to resist it. The, the devil hates you. You've got to wake up to that fact. He's not your friend. He doesn't have your best interest at heart. Only God has your best interest at heart. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Everybody say created thee. Oh, Jacob and he that formed thee. Everybody say formed thee. He created me. He formed me. O Israel, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. Everybody say, he redeemed me. I have called thee. Everybody say, I've called thee. By thy name. Everybody say, God called me by my name. Gave me my name. Thou art mine. What a mouthful. Lord, have mercy we could spend a long time right here. Verse 2. When thou. That didn't say if it comes around. When thou pass through the water, I will be with thee. 
and through the river. They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I'm going to preach this morning with the help of the Lord. I'm going to leave a thought with you, one word, that God mentioned 533 times through. One of God's favorite words, you're going to get through this. You're going to make it through the flood, the river, the fire, all this different stuff that's going to come. Why? Because I called you. I formed you. I know where you're at. I know what you're going through, okay? One more verse. Let's go to verse 3, and then, then we're going to change to the, a different translation. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. Brother Renee, would you help me? I want to go to the New Living Translation in verse number 2. When you go through deep waters... I will be with you. There's some deep waters out there of depression, oppression, discouragement, rejection, setbacks. But he said, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to go through this. He said, when you go through the rivers of difficulty, Oh, boy, does life ever have any difficulties? <laughs> if you're not careful, that's all I see. <laughs> difficulty, difficulty. You will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, so discouraged. How am I going to make it? Can I do it? Do I give up? Do I throw in the towel? Do I walk away? What do I do? What did he say? He said, when you walk through the fire of oppression, I will, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now, this isn't about human strength. This is not about mind over matter. This is about learning to walk with God and to learn to know him. Not know about him, but I want to know him because I don't care if you serve God or don't serve God, trials come your way. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. All I'm trying to tell you is life is not always going to be good. Before we came to God, there were, I mean, I grew up in something that I thought, dear Lord. You know what's crazy? I thought it was normal. I thought every home was just dysfunctional. <laughs> Everybody lived this way with violence and craziness. When I came to the Lord at the age of 24, I realized, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> There's a normal life I could live. I could get out of dysfunctionalness, and I, and I could learn. I could learn how to talk. I could learn how to love. I could learn how to receive love. Not only give love, but learn how to receive love. Because when you're in dark places, love is not something you're thinking about. At least not in a positive sense. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Not true. Not true. Not true. He loves me. He cares. 
Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Who we hang around, we definitely become like in church and out of church. It's just that influence that is there. I want to hang around the right people. I want the right influence in my life. And so much of what I'm talking about is choices I make. When this comes up, I choose not to go that direction. I, 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 I choose. Uh, I'm training a new guy at work. And uh, he wants to tell me a story about the red light district. <laughs> I said, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want that rolling in my head. I don't want that thought. Isn't it amazing thought processes? I made a choice years and years ago that I would only listen to Christian music. But it isn't interesting when you walk in a store and hear a worldly song because I was 24 before I came to God. Now, I don't want that in my head. You ever notice how hard it is to get it out of your head? You're walking out of the store. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I don't want that in my head. I, I, because of the thought process and, and, and what is coming. So God wants to help us this morning. He's going to bring you through this. You're going to get through this. Okay? Now, the word through means to complete, to accomplish, to undergo. We're going to get through this. Three groups of people sit here this morning. One group, you're going into a trial. Second group, you're in the middle of the trial. Third group, you're coming out of a trial. We don't, God doesn't put us in this all at one time. Not everybody in, the, in that place. There, there's, why? Because somebody can encourage somebody else. Somebody can be there for somebody else. But I want to try to help somebody in the middle today. Could I do that? Uh, you're in the middle of the trial. You're, you're in this place of, of a valley of decisions, decisions, decisions. What are we going to do? I'm going to wait on God. He'll give me the right direction that I can make the right decision. The enemy would try to come at my mind. Okay, so it becomes important. So I, I, I want to complete this. I, I want God to work in my life. For some that are new to the things of God, somewhere in your first year of serving God, a trial is going to come into your life. And in that trial, you're going to make up your mind whether you're going to serve God or not. Do you love me? Will you walk away because of this, or will you walk with me? See what I'm saying? I did. I'm, I'm trying to help you understand. Because sometimes we come to God and we think, man, I got baptized filled with the Holy Ghost. This should really be smooth from here to heaven. Right. No, 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 no. No, because in about five years, another one's coming. You may get deeply offended. Bible said offenses will come, so they're, they're coming. Just hang tight. If you ain't got one yet, you'll get there. You'll, you'll get it. But the key is this. I'm not going to let offenses take me to that dark place. See what I'm saying? God's trying to help us this morning. Okay. He created us and he formed us. His plan and purpose. Fear not. 
Fear is a big thing, isn't it? Fear of rejection, fear of loneliness, fear of failure, fear of commitment. I had 12 men in a drug and alcohol class one night in Oregon. And I looked at them and I said, tonight we're going to talk about commitment. I'll never forget this one woman. They jumped up and they said, no, we're not. I'm not making any commitment to anything. Well, I thought you were here <laughs> for help. And you're going to have to make a commitment. But notice, they were quick to let me know. Oh, no, I don't want anything to do with commitment. You have to make a commitment to him. Or this won't work for you and I. It is my commitment. It is my understanding of his death, his burial, and his resurrection applied to my life. And I'm making a commitment to surrender me to walk with him. Not my goals and dreams anymore. Not my ambitions of, of the things of this world anymore. But it's back to God. What would please you? What is your will in my life? You know, in 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price. You are no longer your own. If you would go down to a car lot today and buy a car and give them the money and they would give you the keys, would, would it be fair to say you could do whatever you wanted with that car? It's your car. You bought it. You paid for it. The car doesn't have a choice, does it? No, I bought you. I, I own you. It's, we're going here. We're doing this. And I'm going to take you through mud. And I'm going to get you in some snow. And I, and I don't care what... If there was one single verse that we could really get into our heart and spirit, to me, it would be that one. If I really come to an understanding, I have been bought with a price. I am no longer belong to me. Whatever he asks, yes, sir. Whatever he wills, yes, sir. See, when I understand, Calvary purchased my salvation. His blood was shed that I could have salvation. He is my redeemer. I was lost, but he bought me back. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and man lost fellowship with God. But when Jesus died on an old rugged cross, and that blood was shed, and he was buried in a tomb and resurrected, he said, I have bought you again. I've redeemed you for the second time. And I know that God is dealing with Israel in these set of scriptures, but at the same time, I believe we can take it personally, too, to understand. He has redeemed me. He has purchased me. I think it's important to realize that he called thee, he said. You didn't choose God. He chose you. I'm not here because I woke up one morning and said, you know, I think I'll serve God. I had a preacher witness to me. You know what I told him? No, thanks. You know how many months he came to my house and called me? Same answer. No, thanks. I didn't volunteer for this. I was chosen. He said, I have chosen you. What an honor. Anybody ever, when you're young, want to play on a team, but nobody would choose you? You know, like out on the street, basketball. <laughs> you take him. You'll have five. No, no, you take him. 
Well, I feel good about that. <laughs> Nobody wants me. He wants you. That's why he chose you. I don't know why, Elder, it took to the age of 24. I really don't. I didn't have any godly influence growing up. No church surrounding in my life. None of that. I don't know why God, who knows all, sees all. Why he waited till that time in life, but I just know that he did. Now, I'm thankful. I'm grateful at whatever age it is that the Lord would call me, bring revelation to me, that I could walk with him. Um, I remember Brother Campbell was 70 years old when I met him, one of the men when we were in the Union Gap Church, and um, it took me five years working with him because he said uh, when I would get on forgiveness, oh, uh, his mother abandoned him. I mean, literally ran off with the post guy. Uh, there was five kids. She took three with them and left him. And one of the younger brothers had been crippled uh, by an accident and left him in there. It took five years before we finally got him baptized at the age of 75 where he finally turned loose of the unforgiveness and the bitterness. God calls us. For him, it was 75. But thank God for the 11th hour. Thank God that he made it in. Thank God. See, you can't give up on people. Because God's doing something behind the scenes. Remember, you're praying and God's moving. You know, this thing started out in Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. Well, go back to Revelation 22 at the end of the book, and the Spirit of God is still moving. Amen? I'm glad God's still moving and working in the hearts and lives of His children. And those we're praying for, God is moving in their life. He's going to take you through. We've been called, we've been chosen, we've been redeemed. When you pass through the waters... I believe he was dealing with the Red Sea in the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. Israel is at a place of great stress, anxiety, fear, and everything else because the Egyptians are coming behind them and Pharaoh's army, and what are we going to do? Do you realize so much of what God is saying in these three verses, and in fact, the entire book of Isaiah deals with Isaiah trusted Do you realize that the word faith is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament? Do you know the word for faith in the Old Testament is trust? See, Isaiah learned to trust God. He had faith in God. I want to trust God. God knew what he was doing, and Isaiah knew I can trust God with my life. I can trust God with where he's leading me. I can trust God with what he's saying that I need to speak as a prophet of God into the children of Israel. And so he is there, and all that is taking place. Amen? So God is trying to show you, you can trust me. You can trust me. The rivers of trouble, I believe, would be the Jordan River. And when Joshua would take the children of Israel across, and uh, because there's going to be seven countries going to have to be conquered on the other side. There's some difficulties that are going to come. 
You're going to have to put some faith in God, and, and there's going to be some resistance. There's going to be some fighting. There's going to be some battling. Now, I understand we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you're going to have to learn to pray, and you're going to have to learn to get in the Word of God. You're going to have to learn to walk by faith. There, there are rivers of difficulty, but God said, I, I can take you through them. I gave you examples in the natural here that I could show you. They got through it that way. You can too. Anybody glad that God is no respecter of persons? If he did it for one, he'll do it for all of us. Not based on our name, our talent, our ability, or anything else like that. Just based on God, I believe you. You don't judge. You just minister and love. When you walk through the fire of oppression, how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You talk about loneliness. There's a whole nation. Now, I don't know where Daniel's at in this. I just know he ain't at the fire. But three Hebrew boys took a stand. Sometimes you have to take a stand. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You have to take a stand. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Making up my mind. Making up my mind. In my opinion, for me, the battleground is the mind. Once you're baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're serving God. If you are battling something in your mind, you need to find a verse. For me, this is 42 or 43, verse 2. In the NLT version, stays in my pocket. I pull it out on the way to work in the morning. I read it before I go to work in the morning. I pull it out during the day at work, and I read it again. See, you can't just say, mind, don't think that anymore. Stop that right now. And mind doesn't say, okay, gotcha. You have to replace it with something. If you want to stop thinking one way, what are you going to use to change that thinking? Find verses. Find verses on that subject. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want to be thinking the right kind of thoughts. How about if we pray, God, let my thoughts be your thoughts. I want to think your thoughts. I want to see this through your eyes. Amen. I'm just trying to help somebody. I've been doing this 40-some years. <laughs> That's how you get through the battle because you're in a battle. You're in the fight of your life sometimes. And so what you have to understand is you've you got to fight this with the Word. I know there's darkness and there's discouragement and the fire of oppression that is there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looking around. Come on, nation of Israel. Somebody help me out. Oh, no. You're on your own. You didn't want to bow down to that music of the world? But God said, I'm going to be with you through that fire. And you're going to go through the fire. Through the fire. How about Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through. Through. Not on my own. Through Christ who strengthens me. He's going to take me through this time. Romans 8 and 37, 
Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him. Through. Coming back to through. I'm going to take you through the water. I'm going to take you through the deep water. I'm going to take you through the fire. And over and over, he keeps helping me understand, you're going to get through this if you want to. Can we go to John 20, verse 19? I, I'm, I want to give you a New Testament illustration of this. This is something I kind of learned here a few days ago. It may help somebody. The Bible doesn't give us a lot about Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, apostle. We pick him up a few times. I kind of like him in John chapter 11. When Jesus is speaking, you know, he said, Lazarus sleeps. Oh, let him sleep, man. <laughs> and he said, no, he's dead. And Thomas said, oh, we're going to go die too. Not, man, I can't wait to see the miracle. He's been raising the dead all along. This is going to be interesting. Thomas was used of God. He, he's in the 12. He's not Judas. He's, I mean, there's not a lot written about him. Even in John 14, we pick him up again. Where's the way, Lord? What, what do you mean the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Where I go, you can come. Well, how do you get there? Now we're going to pick him up again after the death of burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the same day at the evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands, his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus saith to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he said this, uh, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, good old Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. And he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's ten against one. Ten said, we saw the Lord. We've had conversation with him. Now, wouldn't you think he would be excited? Man, this is going to be fun. Notice how adamant he is about this. Let me ask you a question. Do you think being one of the twelve, as Thomas was, seeing what he saw in three and one half years, his goals, his ambitions and his dreams were all shattered. 
at that cross. Somewhere he was so crushed. Somewhere he had forgot all the scriptures on the third day. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to be with you again for, for a short time. Notice he, somewhere in the discouragement. See how the devil works? Your dreams are crushed. Your, your ambitions, your goals, what you thought was going to happen, where you were going to go and what you were going to do. When that all was taken away, notice what it did to Thomas. I don't care if you ten saw him or not. I will not believe. Now notice what he goes on to say. After eight days, again, his disciples were with him. Everybody say eight days. This is what I want to show somebody and help you out. Even though he didn't believe, even though he was in a trial, even though he was completely discouraged with everything, he kept hanging around the church. How come he hung around? See, the devil doesn't want you to hang around. What made the difference for Thomas and the miracle that came into Thomas's life was he just kept coming back and he just kept hanging around. Can you imagine if he was so against the resurrection that it, that it even happened, why are you hanging around? Why are you hanging around these ten that believe? Why are you hanging around these ten that are so excited they can't even stand themselves? I mean, wow. He's alive, you know. Whoa. Hope. I'm sure there was some fear of the Jews. I'm not proud of it, but I've outrun the law. I got away. And I hid. I don't want them to see me. But if they saw me, they were going to come get me. None of you know anything about that, but, but us guys in the world do. And uh, I remember looking out the, this, the, the, the curtain. And pretty soon they're coming back by about five miles an hour. And I'm looking right over. This is how I picture Thomas. Anybody coming? Sanhedrin? Any in that group out there? Keep coming back. It works. Keep hanging around. I honestly believe Thomas thought it was over. It's done. I'm not going to make it. I can't make it. I had all these dreams. Now, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I tried to study his life out afterwards, where he went and what he did. But there was just a lot of conflict in what I was finding, so I'm not going down that road. All I know is God used him. He had a ministry. Even when he was at a place where he was ready to give it all up and say, I'm done. It's on the shelf. I don't even know what I'm going to do. You know, I really don't want to be seen around here. Do I just leave? Do I go? What am I doing? See what I'm saying? But notice what happened. When he kept coming and he kept coming, God somehow got through. After eight days, Thomas was with them. 
Then came Jesus, the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now, to me, this is the miracle. And he saith unto Thomas, I want you to understand God hears everything you say. How do we know? Jesus, it, it just freaks me out to think, could you imagine me sitting there talking to some of this dude just shows up through the wall? <laughs> you probably don't think like I think, but I'm thinking, you know what I mean? If I could do that, man, I'd have more fun than a, no. <laughs> Why didn't he just knock on the door? You know what I mean? <laughs> Open the door, come in. No. <laughs> I want some effect here. <laughs> I want this to be powerful. And so it was. Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold thy hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust into my side and be not faithless but believing. Thomas, you said you wouldn't believe unless this happened. See, I heard what you said. I have scriptures that scare me. You ever read any of them that scare you? How about this one? And we'll be judged for every idle word. Is that spooky or what? Because, <laughs> see, he heard what Thomas said. And the Lord said, okay, here you go. Now, to me, the miracle was that God loved him, cared about him, understood where he was at and what he was going through, and I'm going to come and minister. He, he went out to the lake where Peter had gone back to fishing and was in a boat. Come on. He's coming to where you're at. He sees where you're at. For, for you, it could be hiding in a room somewhere, and, and, and I give up, and I throw it in the tower, and God said, no, I'm going to step into this room. I'm going to make my presence known right now. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. You're on the right path. You're going down the right direction. Come on. You're on the right side of this thing. Just keep coming back. It worked. I'm working. I'm ministering. I'm doing. Just keep hanging on and allowing God to work in our lives. So God is trying to help us understand there's some things we're going to go through. Keep coming back. It works. The key is hanging around. We know this is real because some have left. That's how we know. Had they hung around like Thomas did, God would bring them through. I want to encourage somebody if you stand with me. You're in the middle of this thing. It's dark. It's dreary. You're battling depression. Oppression. But the Lord sees where you're at today. And he wants to bring you through that place into your life. I want you to understand something. Everybody Everybody faces this. If you haven't yet, you will. Part of part of test, part of faith, part of faithfulness. You don't know what people will do in life. Anybody ever been around people? If they break in my house, I'm going to shoot them. 
You don't know what you're going to do till they break in that house. You can tell me all the stories you want. Hey, I've had it happen. I've shot at people and everything else. I'm here. It ain't what you think. Yeah, I pull my six gun out. Boom. <laughs> ain't that easy. There's a whole lot of things going on when they kick that front door down about two in the morning. And it ain't the police. <laughs> Some crazy stuff's going on. See, I don't know what I'm going to do other than put my faith in God. We live in a crazy day that many churches, when I left Union Gap, I, I had security. If you'd asked me 10 years ago what I had armed security guards, I said, you're crazy. No. And I've raised up two churches of drug addicts and alcoholics. I've had crazies. I can write a book on crazy in church, in church. I mean, I've had some of the goofiest stuff happen in church. I've had church blow up, not in the Holy Ghost either. Uh, just goofy, crazy stuff. People high on drugs. People coming in, coming down off drugs. Just, just all kind. It was never boring. <laughs> but God is in control. He knows what he's doing. He knows where we're at. Could we pray right now? I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I want to help you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, there are situations here today, God, that only you can touch, only you can minister to, God. There are situations here that some may think nobody knows. And God, I pray, help us. You heard Thomas, Lord, and you spoke to him. I pray today that, Lord God, those that are in this dark place, those that are in this struggle of life, those that are wondering if they're doing the right thing, Lord, I pray, touch them and minister to them today, God. Let your word and your spirit move right now in the Holy Ghost, Lord God. In the Holy Ghost right now, God, move in the name of Jesus.